We are blessed to be here in the house of the Lord today. We are very fortunate to have so many wonderful people with us uh, who are outside of our church, but part of the church family. We have Mr. Philip. Actually, if you pass through this way over here, uh, he is with the blood bank, and he is definitely someone I would love for you guys to talk to after the service. We are having a blood drive this coming up Sunday on the 15th at both services and so the more of a number he can get, the better he understands as to how many people need to be here, the supplies needed. You can also sign up to our Facebook page or on our website, I believe. But for sure, go say hi to him. Let him know that you are interested in doing that because that honestly makes a big, big difference. If for some reason you think that you're not going to be here at church next Sunday, if you got something going on, you're going to be going for the weekend, they are also having a blood drop at the school on Thursday. So again, if you're like, I know I'm not going to be here, I'm going to be out of town Go to the school on Thursday. Blood is definitely needed, but I want you to know that every single person who gives blood, money is going and donated on Sunday morning to Paper Pi- or Piper Pate and, uh, and their family. So I'm encouraging you all to be a part of that. Make that a priority. Go to him through the double doors over there after the service, in between the service, and let him know, hey, count me for that. So if y'all will, turn with me in your Bible. We're going to be in James chapter 1, verse 21. If you're brand new with us today, we're glad that you're here. Uh, This is a special Sunday. Uh, We don't always have a service like the one that you're going to experience today, mainly because it's Orphan Sunday. Uh, Since 2012, we've been bringing special recognition to the least of these, specifically through having a Sunday set aside, uh, where we begin to talk about orphans, we begin to talk about those in the foster care, we begin to talk about things like CASA, Ms. Amber's here from the CASA uh, agency as well. Uh, and then also today we have a very special speaker, Ms. Caitlin Redding. She is coming from the Care Pregnancy Center, and she's going to be sharing with us what they do and the impact that they're making. And also, too, for you to know, as church members, when, when you give you know, here, you're also giving to that ministry because it doesn't just stay here, of course. We give throughout not only domestically, but we also internationally. And so I want you to know you're making a huge difference. We've seen over the last, I guess this would be year eight, we've seen huge changes in the lives of people. We've had people who've come up, and uh, after the service, they come and visit the table, and they talk to the people, because I'm going to encourage the mess out of that during this service, is just to say hi. But you never know when God plants a seed in your heart what it's going to end up turning into and flourishing. We know that the Word of God does not return void, and we know that God puts it on people's hearts, just like you and just like me, sometimes to get out of our comfort zone and to make a difference and to be, as we're talking about today, to be the light, As you know, as followers of Jesus, he is the light and he lives within us. And he tells us clearly, he says, don't put a basket on top of a lamp. Doesn't make any sense. Let your light shine bright. No matter what country you live in and no matter who the president is, let your light shine. We're followers of Jesus Christ. I'll give you a few stats to overwhelm you and then bring it back down to earth. There are 140 plus million orphans in the world at this point in time right now. And when you throw out a number of 140 million orphans, you're just like, I just shut off. I can't do anything about that. I can't make a difference. The answer is you absolutely make a difference in the people that you pour into. You can't change the world, but you can change one person's trajectory for life. Those numbers are so big that it almost kind of overwhelms us. There's over 400,000 children in the foster care system in America right now. The average age is eight. 400,000 plus children And that does not even remotely touch on the number of children who are being neglected at home. It doesn't even remotely touch on the children who are being undernourished, 
In some cases where domestic abuse is occurring, and especially during this season specifically of COVID and everybody having to stay in and stay home and who knows what the second wave is going to look like, it goes unreported. But that's why we need people who are in CASA. That's why we need people who are willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about faith and fostering. I'm interested in potentially opening my home. Because if we won't do it, who are you waiting on? Who? What part of the world? Who, who are you calling? What do hospitals even come from in the first place? Before they were money makers, where did they come from? 369 AD. Christians. It's not that there wasn't medicine before us, but we were the first ones who came out and said, there needs to be care for other people because that's exactly the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Care for the least of these. Within Louisiana alone, we have 3,561 at this moment, or at least according to the stat I just got, children in the foster care system. 126 of those are waiting to be adopted. The average cost of an adoption straight out, if you weren't going through the foster care system, because your taxpayer dollars for the most part pay for that, but if you just said, I want to go and adopt someone, and I encourage that if you're able to do it, average cost $43,000. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know how many people are just rolling around saying, yep, I got $43,000 in the bank. Not a problem. Bills will still be paid. I'll just go do this. It's still an 18 to 24-month process on average when it comes to being able to adopt someone anyway. But an abortion on average cost $508. There's something wrong with that equation. There's something wrong with that system. We are called to be the light. We are not called to be hearers of the word only, but what? Doers. And in so doing, we're blessed. And so that's where I begin our service today. As I mentioned earlier, we're very blessed to hear from the stories and testimonies of people who are inside of our church who are going through the process and saying, Lord God, use me. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know how hard it's going to be, but Lord God, I'm trusting you, stepping out in faith and believing, Lord God, that you're going to take care of me along the way. Give me the wisdom and the guidance that I'm going to need and the support system around me for those who are saying, you know what, that's not my calling, but I'd love to support you. I'd love to be there for you. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to assist you. So again, I'm not saying today by any stretch of the imagination, do everything. I'm saying, please don't sit there and do nothing. That's really what I'm getting at. I'm very proud and very thankful that we as a church support Care Pregnancy Center because they are helping women make decisions for life rather than for death. And so this morning, if you would give a warm welcome to Miss Caitlin Redding, please. Am I on? Yes. Good morning, y'all. Excuse me, got to have my notes. Pregnancy brain is real. Um, so good morning. Uh, super excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor Josh and Erica, for welcoming me. Um, and everyone's been super welcoming. So it's been um, a great morning so far on Orphan Sunday. So um, like Pastor Josh said, I'm here to talk about the Care Pregnancy Center. Um, so as the Outreach and Education Director, typically I'm talking to teenagers. We're talking about dating and relationships and 
sex and all of those fun things. Um, I'm going to spare that conversation, that super fun conversation from y'all this morning. Um, But yes, I do get to talk about just the heart of the Care Pregnancy Center um, and just what we do. Uh, So for those that don't know, we have a lot of resources and services. We offer things like pregnancy confirmation, limited ultrasounds. We have abortion recovery support groups. We have sexual health information. Um, We have just a lot of different things. We have parenting classes. Um, But the most important thing that we do at the Care Pregnancy Center is we point people to Jesus because we can do all of those awesome things, but if we're not pointing people to Jesus, then what really is the point? Um, So that's what we do. Um, And I'd like to share with you just uh, a little bit, the next few minutes I have you, um, about a client that I had just a few weeks ago. To protect her her privacy, we're going to call her Jamie. Um, So Jamie came in um, with her mom. She's 16 years old. And um, just from walking in the door, we could tell that she was nervous. She probably had never been to a pregnancy center before. She had probably never experienced unplanned pregnancy. Um, And so we could just tell that she she needed some extra comfort. So she completes her paperwork, and um, I call her on back to one of our counseling rooms, and I say, okay, Jamie, tell me about yourself. Tell me what's going on. And so she begins to share with me, you know, I think I'm pregnant. My mom was disappointed, but she's supportive. My friends are supportive, but my ex, the father of the baby, um, he told me that I'm selfish because I want to carry. So I took a a moment to compose myself and not say what I really wanted to say about that boy. But um, but I I wanted to encourage her, and I wanted to let her know that um, that is a, a very brave thing to do. To, to carry um, and to choose life. And so um, she was conflicted. She didn't know if she wanted to carry or, or abort. And so we went through the, her pregnancy options. We talked a lot about abortion, the abortion procedures, what to expect from that. We talked about adoption, and then we talked about um, parenting. We talked about our parenting center. And as we started talking about our parenting center and just the things that She can get from that, you know, she can learn how to, you know, have a child. She can learn about childbirth. She can learn about raising a toddler. And even past having her child, her child can be taken care of while she still participates in those classes that are offered. So it's that ongoing support and that while she's doing that, she can get things like diapers and wipes and formula and all of the things that a baby requires. Um, And as we're talking, that nervousness that we first saw when she walked in the door began to subside. And I began to see that she felt a little bit more confident. So one of the things that I mentioned just a second ago that we offer is an ultrasound. And really an ultrasound, that's what saves babies. And so we offered her that ultrasound and she ended up being pretty far along. She ended up being about 12 weeks along. And so um, in the state of Louisiana, they can still get an abortion, um, but I don't think that um, her mom was on board with that. <laughs> and so um, we, we offered her that ultrasound, and um, her mom was excited, and she began to feel excited. And so as she was leaving that day, she said, you know, I think I'm going to carry. I think, that I, I think that I want to keep my baby. 
Um, and so that was a saved baby. Um, and we, we try to track all of our saved babies. Um, sometimes it's hard to do. A lot of our ladies, um, their phone numbers change, or it's just harder to get a hold of them. And so we try to keep track as, as many as we, that we can. Um, and I just wanted to share a few numbers with you. So despite COVID this year, um, we've seen over a thousand visits to our center. And so um, that's every opportunity, that's over a thousand opportunities that someone has come in and we've been able to love on them and um, show Jesus to them. Um, We've had 41 saved babies. And so um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, 41 saved babies. Yes. And because of my unique job, like I said, I typically talk to teenagers and young ones. So I wanted to share with you that we've had um, eight visits to our center of um, children, young ladies that are younger than 14 years old. So I just wanted to take a second to encourage parents out there, um, parents to talk to your your teenagers, talk to your preteens, age-appropriate conversations with them um, about relationships and about boundaries and about how important it is to save sex for marriage. Um, We, of course, see um, all clients that come to us and we offer them um, that support and everything, but really parents, you know, um, y'all love them the most. And so um, it's important to have those conversations. And if those conversations seem overwhelming or challenging, we have a resource for that. We offer something called Parenting Packs that offer just information. They help guide the conversations. Um, It's interactive, and so it's something that you can do with your child because it's more than one conversation also. Um, So wanted to to throw that in there. Um, So yes, why I'm here. Um, I just wanted to thank y'all. Thank you for your prayers for the Pregnancy Center. Thank you for your financial support. Thank you just for um, being that light and coming alongside us and helping women like Jamie. Um, Just thank you so much for investing in the Pregnancy Center. I also wanted to offer just um, an invitation. Um, I wanted you to prayerfully consider becoming a volunteer of the Pregnancy Center getting more involved in the Pregnancy Center. We have long-term volunteer opportunities and then also short-term volunteer opportunities. Um, It starts with you. I know that it's hard whenever we think about the number of abortions that are going on in our country Um, every year. You know, there's so many. But it starts with just a conversation. It starts with answering the call that God places on your life to just sit down across from a woman like Jamie and just have a conversation to encourage her. A lot of our women, you know, for the very first time, we've had so many women come and they say, you know, no one's ever told me that God loves me before. No one's ever told me that I'm valuable. No one's ever told me these things. Some of the women that come in, everyone in their life is saying, you need to have an abortion. And we are the only one that's offering them encouragement. We're the only one that's coming alongside them to try to help them see that they are valuable. Because if they don't know that they are valuable, then they're not going to see their unborn baby as valuable. And so, um, again, I just want to encourage you to, um, to prayerfully consider being that uh, or answering that call, coming to the center and um, learning just about what we do um, and then becoming involved in that way. So, um, 
again, thank you so much just for welcoming me on this morning. Thank you for those that stand up for life. I especially want to thank pro-life men because this isn't just a women's ministry. It's also a man's ministry also doing as God has created men to do, which is protect the vulnerable. So thank you, pro-life men and also women. Um, So after service, I'm going to be here at the corner table here. Um, I'd love to chat with y'all about either the parenting packs that I mentioned or just more about the center. Um, I'd love to to be able to chat with y'all and just answer any questions. Um, So thank y'all so much. God bless. Thank you. Now, if that wasn't enough of a a segue to make sure y'all know to check out the table over here, make sure to do that. Now, not only do we support their ministry at, at Care Pregnancy, and I don't know if y'all, y'all heard it because we didn't really respond very much to it, but I mean, a thousand people seen this year under the restrictions that we have, that's, that's huge. Uh, lives being saved, ultrasounds being done, and by the way, I mean, y'all, y'all know that that machine's not cheap. Uh, it's not cheap to operate as well, and also, too, to have the people to, to physically staff the place, that, that doesn't just happen, you know? A lot of times we talk about what we want to do, and, and I'm encouraging you not to just want it, to potentially do that. Again, just thinking about it, letting God speak to you as we're just sitting here, but I also want to talk about things that are happening inside of our, our church specifically with families who, year after year, have heard testimonies like that. They've, they've heard about opportunities that are around. They crept slowly but surely, maybe with the prompting of their spouse, to the table and heard a little bit more and were just like, ah, I don't, I don't know about that. But then they began to have the Lord move on their heart and in their lives and began to say, God, this is crazy. Um, would, would I really be someone who could foster or would I really be someone who pursues adoption? Would I really be someone who, who does that? And so we have one new ministry that just started with, within our church, uh, one of our congregants who has started it with another partner and Miss Barbara Lewis, uh, Faith and Fostering. And If y'all are in the James chapter 1, verse 21, I want to read to you just for a moment and then uh, close the service after that. It says this in James chapter 1, 21. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently in his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. And that's the word of the Lord this morning. If you've got to worship God or if you're using your app, uh, the points this morning, I'm going to go through them rather quickly, is this. Number one is we're to be a doer of the word. We're to be a doer of the word. We're not just to hear it. You know, it tells us in Ezekiel chapter 33, I believe, He says that you're like someone who sings lustful songs, songs that are pleasing to the ear. They love hearing what you got to say on a Sunday morning, and they they say, yes, we agree with all these things, but when they leave out of here on a Sunday morning, 
Or that when they leave from reading the word of God, there's, there's no effect. It's as though you saw yourself in the mirror. You saw that there was a need to change. You saw that there was a need to be filled, that you could fill the gap, that you could do something. But I don't know about you, but how many times have we gone to a church service and there's been something that's been said? There's been a verse that's been read. There's been someone who came up to us and just said something. Maybe they didn't even realize it, but they planted a seed in your own heart. But yet, something changes. Last song, and we hit the doors. And then the noise and the chaos of life and the world all of a sudden swallow that which was initially there and we felt so passionate about it. We, we felt, I mean, how many of you on a Sunday morning at one point or another, whether it was something I said or a song that we sang or something, you just, you felt the Lord just you moving on your heart, you were passionate about it, like you knew it was clear as day. I'm telling you, in here, there's a lot of things that are really, really clear. Walk out there and there's a lot of things where you have persuasions of other people who are not necessarily biblically minded or Christians in the first place who tell you completely otherwise. Jamie being one of those people surrounded by others who simply says, hey, for all practical reasons, get rid of this child. It's only going to slow you down. Hearing a voice from someone else, though it's a person, but Satan speaking through the person who says, don't be selfish and try to ruin my life. Who else is going to advocate for the unborn? Who else is going to fight for those? James says in verse 21, he says, put away, which is another way of saying, like, take off your dirty clothes. Remember filthy? It's like you're disgusting, so take it off. Don't be like you used to be. Don't think like you used to think, and don't speak like you used to think. What do you say in verse 26? He says, if you have filthiness coming out of your mouth and you claim Jesus, your religion is worthless. Because what proceeds from the heart then goes through the mouth and through the hands. And so we can't say, well, that's not who I am. Well, if it's what you do, then how are we to say that's not who I am? I'm not saying it's a process that we're not slowly but surely changing, but if we're not even concerned, that should be very concerning to ourselves. He goes on to say, and it's, this is probably one of the most quoted and remembered verses throughout all of James is verse 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. What is he saying? Deceiving what? Deceiving yourself that you say, I follow Jesus. I'm a lover of Jesus. But yet in our lives, there is no exemplification of Jesus. He says what you're doing is deceiving yourself. Galatians, Paul says, God's not mocked. You can deceive the whole world, but you cannot deceive God. He sees us clearly. He knows our motives. He knows us. He knows what's going on in us. But I love what he says here. He goes on in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. What does that mean? Have you ever looked in a mirror? And everybody's like, well, yes, I looked in a mirror this morning. Right? You look in the mirror to do what? To reflect. You look in a mirror to reflect at yourself. Now, if you got one of those cool mirrors, ladies, y'all have cool mirrors, the ones that magnify, like it's not the normal, like you get really, you flip it, right? I'm sure there's a name for that. You flip the mirror and then you turn on this really bright light and all of a sudden you're just like, I never knew my face had so many pores. I didn't know there was so many hairs on my nose. It's beginning to look more like there's there and less on my head. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand this. And before you know it, you come out of the bathroom looking like you got stung by a bee because your face is red because you've been picking at it. 
Some of you guys are gonna try that for the first time today and be like, oh my goodness. It's amazing. They got daylight, they got daytime. I mean, it's all different like switches on the deal. It's pretty cool. But it's like you come in here and you see it, you magnify it because that's what the word of God does. It does it not. For any of you who've read it for more than a moment, who've not just cherry-picked verses to make yourself feel good on a down day when it's raining. I'm talking about for people who've actually read the Word of God. What it does is it reflects to us really what's going on in our lives. It reflects who we are, but more specifically who God is and where do we align with it because we never call God, God, are you on my side? If you ever say that, you're playing for the wrong team. It is always a question, is our allegiance to God? It's always the question. That's always the motive for us as believers. Are we aligned with God? Because he says in verse 25, and he says it so clearly, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. We got a lot of good sprinters in the church today, but this is a marathon. We got a lot of people, man. It's good game and good talk. But when it goes to be unpopular, where are we at, you know? It's a marathon. He says this, if you persevere, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, so you follow me this morning, he will be what? Blessed. He will be blessed. This is to be in the favor of God. This is to care about the things that God cares about. John Stott said it this way. We must allow the word of God to confront us to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. You're following that? Like, if you read the Bible, I don't know how you come away with it saying, I feel great about that one. Praise the Lord if you're at the point in your own spiritual life that you're like, I agree with everything that's said. But if you really are inspecting your own life, if you're looking into the mirror of the word of God, I want to say this every single time I come away saying, well, I thought I was doing pretty good. And as long as I'm comparing myself to other people that I think I'm doing better than, I'll feel pretty good about myself, but that's not the comparison God gives us, is it not? Comparing ourselves to the full stature, Ephesians 4, of Christ Jesus. Comparing myself to where I was and where I'm seeking to go, not someone sitting next to me on the left or the right. This morning when you sang those songs, it was not for the benefit of your neighbor, it was for the benefit of your own soul in reflection of the goodness of God. It was for our sake that we sang those songs. So it's not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. And secondly, it's genuine faith and action. They go hand in hand. To say that someone has genuine faith and there is no action, to say that someone has genuine faith and all they do is speak things that are ill and filthy and coarse joking and so forth, it just does not add up. And some of you would say, well, that's your opinion. Well, read the Bible. It's not my opinion. It's God's word. I'm just trying to do the best I can to talk about it. Everything changes when God dwells in you. There's no, you don't have a choice in it. Everything changes when the Spirit of God dwells in you. Everything. Remember in the very beginning in Genesis 1, it says that there was what? The Spirit of God was hovering over that which was what? Without form and void. Chaos. Any of us have to look at our own life, sometimes even as Christians, when we begin to go astray in one direction or another. And any time that we go away from God, what do we find? We find chaos. You don't have to look far, just veer. And you don't have to veer far, just veer a little bit over a long enough time, and you will begin to find yourself with more chaos, more disorder, and less peace. 
Because in the abiding, in the dwelling, in the presence of God, there is what? There's peace and there is joy. It tells us very clearly in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't do it. Now, does that mean we don't struggle? Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm the last person that needs to be talking up here if I'm over here telling you I don't struggle. I struggle every single day and sadly fail every single day in some way. But here's the fruit that is promised in my life because of the Spirit of God living in my life. This is the promise. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There is no condemnation. Jesus in John, 4, or John 15 says you're going to bear fruit. And you're going to bear fruit to the glory of God the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says you are what? Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Like that's what we do. Matthew 20. What did Christ say? I have not come to what? To be served but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. The DNA of Jesus is in us. It's not every day that you feel like it. Come on now. There's a lot of days you don't feel like it. There's a lot of days that you have selfish impulses. There's a lot of days that you're not walking with the Spirit and therefore you do gratify the flesh and then hopefully, Lord willing, you repent. And it reminds you of how frail you and I are, not just physically, because that's an ever-present reality, but also spiritually in our need of God and always being dependent upon Him. Jump one chapter over if you're still in James, chapter two, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can that faith save him? Is that earning salvation? No. Salvation comes as a gift from God and God alone, but the overflow of that new heart, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, the overflow is what? Good works, so that God the Father may be glorified. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them, and you say to one of them, Go in peace, be warm and be filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. May it never be said of us that we are a people who talk a lot of good game and good talk, right? Let it never be said of us that we're Sardis. Sardis, you got a nice church sign out there, but you're dead. You still got people showing up, but they don't know me. They don't welcome me. You still go through the routine. You're religious. James chose that word specifically. Specifically, he chose the word because it's a broad word. Anyone, right, can worship any God. And so he says, what is pure religion, real religion, true religion? It's to worship the one true and living God, and that's not just on a Sunday morning out of convenience because you didn't have a golf game already scheduled. True religion is when you follow Christ wherever he goes, whatever he commands and whatever he does. And what I love seeing within my own life is the way that God has moved. I, I never would have said, oh yeah, I'm gonna foster a kid. You honestly think that somehow or another that just brings so much more time into my world or to Erica's world? Not a chance, but does it bring joy? Amen and amen. You think you want to hang out with some of these people whose lives are absolutely tattered and broken and they'll try to tell you how they still got their stuff together and you're the one who's a stick in the mud? You really think I want to hear that from someone whose life is in shattered? You think? 
And the answer is absolutely not. But if they don't hear the message of the gospel, they will not have salvation. They will not change. God changes lives and God changes hearts. That's just fact. What I love seeing is families inside of our church like the Wilsons, one after another. I mean, it's like Wilson party of six and you never know if it's gonna be party of eight because like the Lord has just blessed them with kids. You know, what I, what I love seeing is, is Elisa Brogdon, for instance, opening up a foster closet inside of our church in little bitty old Stonewall, Kickapoo, Gloucester, Louisiana, watching God move and families still being serviced because there's a place for people to be able to get things and resources that they need without having to go all the way into Benton. Cypress Baptist Church is phenomenal and they do an excellent job. But you don't have to drive that far. Watch Jared and Sarah and to watch Jared beforehand. Man, I don't know, man. I don't know. Did you see the joy on that man's face? You see the smile? Did you see the, the picture of him leaning over the tub as Corey's leaning over there with him? Listen, that picture and that memory could never be had if he was not willing to take a step into a little bit of darkness and trust God to deliver him and to work with him and to work with his wife. And I want to tell you this, they are blessed because they're doing it. And we get to watch on the sidelines and cheer him on, amen. But it's a lot more fun in the game. TJ and Melissa Hansen's another couple who is working right now, who is about to go through training. And again, church, I love it. Y'all be praying for them. Y'all be encouraging them. I love over here with Tim and Rachel Sith getting ready as well to go through and potentially be trained and, and open up their home and open up their arms, which is opening up their hearts to provide for some basic needs. These kids need love. You, you think they just get taken out of their home for no good reason? I mean, their living condition has to be horrendous. And lastly is, just think of this. The smallest act of kindness does not go unnoticed by our Heavenly Father. It doesn't. Some of y'all are over here like, I'm ready to swim the Pacific. I'm ready to climb the highest mountain. I am not scared of grizzly bears. I will do it. Right now, I mean, you're ready to jump. Some of y'all are ready to flee. Some of y'all are ready to jump. You don't have to do either. I'm asking you to do something very non-confrontational. Ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Just ask him. And then visit a table and say hi. If nothing else, say thank you guys for coming or for some of the families and people who are being represented up here. Thank you guys for stepping out. I'm, I, now that I know who you are, I'm praying for you. The smallest things make the biggest impacts. God cares that we care for those who can't care for themselves. He does. You know what I mean? That's not profound. It's true. God cares that we care for those who can't care for themselves. He does. Psalm 68, verse 5. He's a father to the fathers and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained 
from the world. Why in the world would that be pure religion? Is that the definitive definition? I would say no, but here's the deal. If there is no action with your Jesus, you have not met Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. You've come on a Sunday morning, either here or maybe multiple churches or other churches, and maybe you haven't been to church in a very long time, and that first step of coming through those doors, which I know can be intimidating for some people who think somehow or another we're gonna judge you, can be quite overwhelming. Maybe that first step was right now today. Maybe that's what it was, but for some of you, that next step is going to be, I've been thinking about this, or I've been praying about this, or I still remember last year. I still remember God has not let that go from my heart. I just needed something to revive it. I need something to fan it into flame, or I just needed somebody to talk to because I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what to do. I want to say it's okay not to know what to do. I'm just making up stuff as I go with this little boy that we got, man. I'm just doing the best I can. People are like, do you got a plan? I'm trying to adopt him. That's about as far as it goes at this moment. I just want to love him. I want want to love him so much because that's the deal with fostering. I want to love him so much that my heart would be like ripped apart if he was taken. Because if I don't love him that much and I'm not willing to have my heart ripped out, then I'm a coward, one. And then two, I will not give him the love, the care that he truly needs if he does go back with his biological mother. That's something I said from day one. I'm going to love and I'm going to potentially get hurt in the process. And that's just part of it. John Piper said it this way, desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without a passion. Whatever you do, find the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life and find your way to say it and to live it and to die for it. And you will make a difference at last. You will not waste your life. At this table, Ms. Amber from CASA, Ms. Caitlin from CARE, some families from our church with the uh, foster and adopt, Miss Barbara with faith, faith and fostering, they're all gonna be at the table and I'm highly encouraging you to make your way over. We're gonna close with a song that you don't know and I'm not really worried about you singing it. I really just want you to watch the video and soak up the moment. Sometimes we're too busy thinking when we really just need to be soaking it in. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to speak of that which is important and that which you care about. You are a good and you are a mighty God You have changed our hearts. You've changed our lives. Father, may that change be seen in an overflow through the actions that we take. We love you and we praise you. We ask only that we be obedient to the call that you have placed individually on each of our lives. Father, as we stand and rejoice in what you have done, Father, may we soak in the lyrics of this song and then take action. In Jesus' name, amen.